Welcome to Hiccup, the podcast series that explores all things life, parenting, and a little bit of everything in between. I'm your host, Jen, aka Irish Mama Buys, and in each episode, I'll be joined by a fantastic guest for a chat. There may be laughter or even tears, who knows? But join us on this journey and you will not be disappointed. So sit back, relax, if possible, grab a cup of tea, and enjoy the show. A little thank you from me to everybody who listened and everybody who was on the show for season one. All your kind words and encouragement are so appreciated. I hope you enjoy season two just as much as the first one. So without further ado, here is season two, episode one, with the absolutely amazingly talented and lovely Louise Flanagan, aka author of Dragon Terra. The creatures that you've just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, which one of the creatures would you least like to encounter in real life? Oh lord, I would say probably the snow snakes in five. I am not really a fan of slithery things, so I don't think that I would like to meet snow snakes. Yes. Hello and a big welcome to Louise to the show. How are you today, Louise? I am the very best. Thanks for having me, Jenna. Oh, you're very, very welcome. I'm so excited to have you on. I've been following all your Dragon Terror stuff for ages now, and I'm delighted to chat to you. Thanks a million. Uh, how's everything going now? Has it been a big week with the release of season two? Yeah, thank God it has been really well received, um, and I appreciate the support so, so much. Um, what I have noticed is that when I released uh, Dragon Terror series one, I was relying very heavily on my friends and my relatives and it was mainly, you know, it was people I knew really who pre-ordered series one. And I will be eternally grateful for that support. But I have noticed now with uh, Dragon Terra series two that the pre-orders are coming in from much further afield. They're being pre-ordered all over the country. Um, I even got a pre-order in from Belgium wow. and another one from the United States. Yeah, so they're kids who read the first series and obviously really enjoyed it. And the parents are happy enough to to invest in series two which is just so lovely that's brilliant that must just feel like such an achievement like that everything's paid off yeah well that's it and it was a bit of a gamble I suppose so I am relieved you know that children are enjoying them and parents are happy to buy them so thankfully it has gone well oh that's great yeah because even when I was like looking earlier on on google like searching dragon terra I was like whoa there's so there's just been so much like you really? Know, I haven't yeah. actually done that myself. It's that weird, actually. I must do that. Yeah. Google myself. Yeah, and see yeah. what comes up. Yeah. Google yourself. There's loads and loads and loads of articles and stuff. It's great. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I was just telling you that I am on season or book number five at the moment. And mm-hmm. the kids are on three because they're like, three and five so kind of reading to them at a slower pace you know how they get distracted and (laughs) yeah um but I am just dying to get around to the sixth book now and read it because I really am like loving the books and I think they can kind of relate to all age groups yeah thankfully they have been really really well received across the board and that is something that has been you know uh, quite a pleasant surprise to me really you know um when I wrote Dragon Terra initially, I wrote it for my daughter, Lucy, um, during lockdown. And she, at that stage, was uh, seven. So um, she loved them. And I knew that they, you know, appealed well to children that age. 
but it has been really, really lovely to get feedback from people of all ages. Uh, a lot of grandparents, for instance, have bought them and have read them with their grandchildren. And I think they really connect with the fact that one of the main characters in the book is granddad. So the grandparents take great pride in reading it with their grandchildren. And a lot of them have told me that they have got really sucked into the story and really vested in it as well. And um, some parents have told me, too, that they take turns about night about kind of putting the kids to bed. So kind of reading a chapter a night about and that when it's not their turn to read, they either ask the other um, adult, like, what did I miss? Like what happened in the meantime? <laughs> else they go and they read it themselves because they're actually interested in what's happening so that has been lovely you know to hear stories like that about adults enjoying them and you know they do say that you know if if a book is good uh, that it should be enjoyed for all ages it shouldn't yeah. only appeal to children if it truly is good then you know adults should see the merit in it too and that seems to be the case with Dragon Terra so I'm delighted. Oh definitely even like when I'm reading it I'm getting great laughs out of it as well like whenever the kids are going to granddad's house and the parents are like, why are you bringing all the, like the ski clothes? And yeah, this is it, yeah. I'm like, is mom and dad going to find out what's going to happen next? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. So, so good. Um, I was just thinking about some of the characters earlier on as well. Um, and you've got your evil, well, your mean wizard, Sniv mm -hmm. Snivard, is that how I pronounce Snivard, it? Yeah, Snivard, yes, Snivard excellent um and he's like he can he can kind of put obstacles in the way of the kids but he can't like directly hurt them have you made it kind of like this so it's kind of um not too scary for the audience yeah absolutely like um as I say whenever I visit kids uh, in schools and in libraries you know that it's obviously granddad who sends the boys on the quest in Dragon Terra and granddad wouldn't send them anywhere dangerous because granddad wouldn't want them to get hurt. He wouldn't want them, you know, to be in any serious danger. So it is reiterated several times throughout the stories that the boys can't get hurt. Yeah. Um, and that was important to me. You know, I was um, it was my intention to pitch the stories at, you know, young emergent readers such as my own daughter, Lucy, who was seven at the time. She's nearly nine now. Uh, the years are going in. <laughs> but um so, yeah, so it was a very important, you know, message in the story, I suppose, you know, that, that um, you know, you can have a good adventure and it can be exciting and it can be suspenseful, but there doesn't need to be an element of fear or danger um, because I don't think that that's something that yeah. should, um, you know, really cross a child's mind, to be honest. Yeah, it just makes it so nice and just such yeah. an easy read. Um, what about, have you got one child or two children? I actually have three. So my two boys are Evan and Connor. So, okay. yeah, so I uh, named the characters in the story after my own kids because honestly it was never my intention for anyone else to read them like I wrote them during lockdown for Lucy so she's obviously one of the characters a little character called Lucy the Waslet yeah she's a little creature in Dragon Terra who kind of guides the boys she reminds me a little bit of you know in the Lion King you know Zazu the little bird yeah who, you know, that's sort of a role basically kind of like a glorified babysitter almost kind <laughs> little of Jiminy mindset. Cricket kind of yeah yeah exactly yeah so that's Lucy's role in the story um so then I have two boys as well Evan and Connor um and in the story they're eight-year-old twins but um in real life my boys are now um god let me think they're they're four and six so, so funny brilliant and 
now do you find that your kids are trying to get like their own little ideas into the books after oh absolutely yeah so I uh I, when I wrote series one um the way that it came about basically was Lucy was a very um strong emergent reader during lockdown and um she was enjoying reading kind of little fairy stories and the the stories were like you know really really great and she really really enjoyed them but to be honest um I felt they were very very heavily pitched at girls like the covers were like literally various shades of pink and they were all glittery and mm. just really and I mean I obviously in these times I would have no problem at all with my boys reading them but yeah. I just genuinely don't think that they would appeal to my boys um so I happened to say to my mom you know Lucy is getting on really really well at the reading but the stories that she's reading I just don't think my boys are going to read them in turn and I just I think for one thing as a parent it seemed like a bit of a, a waste of money to be investing quite heavily in books that only one of my children was ever going to read Very true. Um, and also I think it's nice for them to have a shared experience you know to read the same stories to be able to kind of talk about them and enjoy the same uh, you know kind of just magical adventures so I happened to mention this to my mom and um, she says well is there anything out there that maybe you know boys would enjoy too and I says I don't think so because the stories that are very heavily pitched at little boys then seemed to go down the road of being quite violent and quite scary um you know and there didn't really seem to be happy medium so for that reason I decided that I would write Dragon Terra but I wrote it um as a secret essentially I didn't actually tell my children that I was writing it okay. so I didn't give it to Lucy until I was actually finished so for that reason she didn't really get any input really into the first series because it was kind of written as a surprise for her but then when it came to writing the second series, she was full of ideas and she was like, <laughs> oh, you know, uh, she she mentioned some um, creatures, you know, that she would like the boys to meet in the second series. So um, one of the adventures that they go on in, in series two is the desert adventure. And I said, you know, Lucy, what creatures do you think they might meet in the desert? And she said, oh, I think they would meet sand bunnies. Okay. And I was like, sand bunnies? Okay, you want sand bunnies? You got sand bunnies. Um, so she had a bit of more of an input. And then also she has got, um, we've got a pet cat called Stella. So Stella had to get an honorary mention. And um, our, yeah, our granny's dog is called Percy. So there's a character that they meet in series two who is called Percy for, my, for that reason, you know. So yeah. there are loads of little things like that that kind of, you know, are probably neither here nor there for other kids, but mean something to my children, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they, they have had more input definitely in the second series. Yeah, which oh, is that's so sweet. Yeah, I'd say they like feel a real connection to the characters, though. They do, yeah. My son, Connor, um, he's only four, but he's funny because he talks about the story in the first person. So he says, like, oh, I touched the dragon. Oh. And I lost the bag or I kicked the ball or I saw the snake, you know. And yeah. so he, he recounts it actually in the first person as though he truly did those things, which is That's just so lovely. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so sweet. I've got so many, so many questions about it. Um, let me see. Uh, the creatures that you've just talked about. Um, mm -hmm. Which one of the creatures would you least like to encounter in real life? Oh, Lord, I would say probably the snow snakes, 
in five i am not really a fan of slithery things so i don't think that i would like to meet snow snakes yes i thought that was such a cool creature i was like oh like that's a really good idea yeah the fact that they don't exist in cold environments here but that they can live in the snow in dragon terror yeah yeah it would be like really chilling to see a a snow yeah and the notion of it kind of disappearing beneath the snow and you're not really sure where it had gone no i wouldn't wouldn't be like that no definitely (laughs) not (laughs) and the items that are in the bag that help them along the way how do you come up with these ideas and what are some of your favorite items so the ideas are basically um again during lockdown things that my kids kind of you know got obsessed with you know the way children kind of obsess about things for a little while so like um we were out walking one of the days during lockdown and my son spotted a feather on the ground and he was like wow this is magic like this makes a bird fly this is magic and just the fact that kids are are so drawn to feathers I was like note self I must include a feather (laughs) somewhere in the story and he also went through a phase of being um, fascinated by compasses and asking me you know mommy how does a compass work and I was like actually do you know what I'm not quite sure how a compass works <laughs> yeah. so good old Alexa saved the day that yeah. day but um, again I kind of thought you know oh I'll, I'll include a compass in the story because ch- children are fascinated with compasses and then another example being um, it was raining one day during lockdown and the kids wanted to go out and play in the garden in the rain with umbrellas and they just loved holding umbrellas yeah. Um, and they, they just you know they, they felt kind of so proud and so powerful stomping about in the rain with their umbrellas you know so again as a result of that I thought I, I must write an umbrella into the story somewhere because for whatever reason young kids really do like umbrellas so it was just basically random um, you know everyday things that happened during lockdown that you know we things they said or we things that they did that I thought that appeals to children that's something that I should write into the stories yeah you're so right I'm just thinking of my kids and it's the exact same like mm-hmm. you know today with the umbrella outside the two of them were just obsessed and I was like you need to give it to me so we can get to school yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah oh that's so good um so Donegal of course plays a major role in this book series um is it places that are special to you that you're choosing or how do you pick the locations? Um, some of them would be special, um, you know, places that I genuinely have been myself. Yeah. But I wanted to make um, Donegal quite well represented as well as a whole. So I tried to pick kind of, you know, um, famous landmarks, you know, in the north and the south and the east and the west of Donegal, you know, to kind of represent it yeah. quite well. So you know, some of the ones, you know, Letterkenny gets a mention and, it's, you know, they, they there's just a very fleeting reference to Letterkenny that the dad says that he'll stop and do the shopping on the way home from work. Yeah. So, you know, that was just thrown in, I suppose, because I live in Letterkenny myself. Um, and then places like Glenvay are mentioned. Uh, and of course, like I have, I've been to Glenvay myself and it is a really beautiful place. Yeah. And then, like I mentioned, Mount Derrigal, because obviously it's, it's so iconic. And then, you know, places like... Um, on the island adventure, I wanted to mention an island. So I was like, well, I'll mention Arnmore Island yes. anyway, you know. And then there's a reference to Kelly Beggs as well, just with they, they meet a fisherman who teaches them how to tie a knot. So it was like, well, I'll give good old Kelly Beggs a mention. 
And then um, Inishon gets a mention too, for instance, um, uh, a waterfall up in Inishon is mentioned. Yeah. So I just tried to kind of pick, and I've never actually been to that waterfall, it's but I, I just, yeah, and, and I, I then I Googled it and, and I checked it and I was like, oh God, yeah, that is lovely. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I must go. And it was funny because I'd never been to the Artar and Moor Island myself when I published the book, but then very shortly after I published the book, I actually got invited out to Arn Moor Island to stay overnight and I was like my god here I am now actually Aww. here I am I am on the island you know so uh, yeah. and it's beautiful there so um yeah it was actually my sister's idea to include the references to Donegal in the book and it really was an inspired idea because it is probably one of the things that um appeals a lot to to adults and to teachers and also when children read the word Letterkenny or Donegal in a book it just blows their mind yeah. and it makes it it's you know in a way that I didn't even actually really anticipate but it makes the adventure so much more believable um, and tangible to them because of the fact that these places that they have been themselves are mentioned like there's a mention for instance to the rope swing on the beach at Rathmullen mm-hmm. and like the amount of kids who have said to me I have been on that swing like wow. you know I was there and it means so, so much to them, you know, and, and as I say, that was actually my sister's idea. You know, she said, I think that you should um, include some references to, to Donegal in the stories. I think that it would, you know, kind of help to give them a bit of a set. And uh, initially it was my intention for the stories to be just kind of a little bit more you know, neutral and not, yeah. you know, so that they that they would maybe appeal to children who lived anywhere, you know. But um, she kind of pointed out, no, you know, children um identify better with characters when they have a sense of who they are and where they are from and what they do and it was definitely the way to go um and then for series two I have included loads more references to places around Donegal but also further afield in Ireland like there are reference to you know kind of um national landmarks oh. like so um the Giant's Causeway gets a mention for instance the Burren and Alwy Caves and Powers Court Waterfall you know so there's reference to and there's reference like to Aris and Uchtran in Dublin so um, hopefully you know that the children from other parts of Ireland who have got sucked into the series already you know hopefully when they read a reference to a wee place that is near them they'll be like oh my god like you know I've I live near that and hopefully that you know it'll feel as special for them as it has for you know, kids in Donegal for the first series, but there are plenty of references to Donegal in series two as well, definitely. Oh, excellent. You're so right. Like it does appeal to the grown-ups. The grown-ups are just like, oh, like when they hear the different places and the kids are just absolutely blown away. Like, yeah. how could these yeah. characters be somewhere that I've been before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a reason too why they have sold well um, for families who have moved away from Ireland because... The, it gives them kind of a bit of a talking point then to kind of go and Google these places and talk about the places from home. Like, you know, like the, the orders that I, get, that I did get in from abroad, they're not, of course, you know, completely random orders. They're people who have Donegal roots or who lived in Donegal or who've got, you know, relatives in Donegal. And that then was the appeal and the charm, you know. And then, like, I, the, there was books that went to Norway and Sweden and Spain and Australia and Canada and, you know, all of those kids um, still really enjoyed the story, which was, was just amazing to me. Yeah. Um, uh, like, for instance, they were sent to um, a family who live in California. 
And again, that there are relatives who live in Letterkenny, but the granny sent over a set to the grandchildren for Christmas. And the little girl who is in first grade, she read them and she loved them by all accounts. And she brought them into school for her show and tell. And so the teacher then in California was like, oh, interesting, you know, Dragon Terror books and started wow. to read them started to read them in the class for the Californian children and they loved them. And as a result of that, the teacher actually said to the parent, would you mind lending me the books so that I can read them to the class? So then it was like, so these were children who don't even have any connection to Donegal and they sat and the teacher read book after book. And then the teacher contacted me and said, would you mind doing a Zoom call with us because we have read your books? Wow. So I did a Zoom call with um, a group of kids in a school in California. And it like it blew my mind wow. to hear them with their little Californian accents talking about my characters. And and they were so full of questions and they were so captivated by the story. Like they were 100 percent on board with it, you know. So it was just it was just lovely to see. So, yeah, they 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 have a very localized feel, but also they do. It has been proven that they do appeal to children universally, which is just great. Oh, definitely. Um, You must be so proud that it's just a book that appeals to so many different people. And I don't know, as you say, like speaking to a classroom of kids from California, like could you have ever imagined no like a hundred percent no like you know and then some people are like you know was this on your bucket list did you always intend did you always want to write a book you know and and the answer is is no like no you know I'm I'm so proud and I'm so glad that I did but it really was not my intention like it would not have come about if it hadn't been for lockdown honestly which I know nobody wants to even think about that but that's the truth if I had if I hadn't had that time with Lucy at home kind of really focusing on her education as a parent because of the fact that the teachers weren't able to do it and then if I didn't have the time when obviously the world stopped spinning you know to sit down and do it I wouldn't have done it otherwise so you know I have always obviously been interested in English like I studied English at university and when I was a child I always loved writing stories um like I would say my primary teachers were fed up correct and reams and reams of pages of, of stuff that was very felt that I handed up to them over the years because I always I always was interested in writing yeah. but just it never dawned on me you know that you know that it would be possible or that it would be a good idea or that I even had a story in my head that was worth sharing so it you know it really did come out of the blue yeah. Um, but I, I'm very, very proud of them. I'm really, really glad that I did publish them, you know, so it has been a good thing. Brilliant. They are so fantastic. There's just something about like the, I don't know, the format of it or the flow of the story. And like the next book, you know, it's kind of going to go in the same flow, but you don't know which characters you're going to meet or what location they're going to go to. Yeah, there is definitely a sense of repetition in the books. And that appeals very strongly to young readers, um, you know, who they need a kind of um, a consistency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it helps to kind of support them in their reading to know like the, the start and the, the middle and the end of a story. So the notion of them kind of going to granddad's at the start and then coming back through the portal at the end is something that is consistent to each of the books. Yeah. But that is something that really helps young readers to kind of settle into the story and to feel confident and their ability, you know, to kind of get in on it yeah. um, and 
understand it. So, so yeah, that was intentional and, and it does seem to have worked quite well, you know, um, to help young readers. Definitely. It's kind of like reminds you of like, a sh- like the shows you would have watched when you were younger, you know, and it'd be like they go off on an adventure and you don't know what's going to happen, but everything turns out fine in the end. And Yeah, you know that it's all going to be okay Yeah, <laughs> yeah. at the end. That's Dragon Terror for you, absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Um, so where can you see um, the future of Dragon Terror now? Have you got more ideas in your head for season three? Or? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I, uh, I need to get people on board with season one and season two, first of all, before I even go there. Oh. Um, my children are full of... Uh, all sorts of plans like you know that I'll be writing Dragon Terror books you know forever more men and <laughs> like honestly I you know that is not my intention but at the same time like after I wrote series one you know I said no that's it I'm done like you know I only wrote that during lockdown and nobody wants another lockdown but uh so I, you know when I wrote series one I kind of thought not like I'm I'm not not going to write anymore and it was then kind of when I went into classrooms and I was talking to kids in person and they were kind of asking me so sincerely, will you write some more? And when I saw, especially like when I went in and I saw them in person, because obviously, you know, it was during lockdown and there was like kind of Zoom calls mm-hmm. and stuff initially. But then when I got a chance to actually go in and talk to them and I was like, you know, just to see the expression and the passion and the desire for more Dragon Terror stories in real life. I was like, oh my God, you know, the kids yeah. are invested here. Maybe I should write some more. So initially after series one, if you'd said to me, you're going to write any more, I would have said no. So now it's like after series two and you're saying to me, you're going to write more. And I'm like, no, but like, you know, that is what I said before too. So, so God only knows, but, um, but at the same time, like I genuinely do need people to, you know, spread the yes. word and to to get um on on board with the Dragon Terror series. Yeah. You know, in order for that to be possible, you know. So um yeah, so if if everybody could just spread the word and if the yeah. kids enjoy them to to make sure to tell people about them, you know, because one of the things with them too, like, you know, um it, it has been difficult in lots of ways to kind of to spread the word. So this is why I really appreciate the chance to do things like this, you know, to to help get the word out there about them. and um you know people had said to me you know you know would you contact you know any influencers like so and so has got like five million followers and she's got a child the right age blah 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 and I kind of thought well I suppose I could try and contact and see and you know what I realized very very quickly was like for one thing it's difficult to get in contact with these people you know and, and rightly so but also you know when when influencers with massive accounts when they recommend something you know it's like it's just a drop in the ocean to them. They're like, hey, look what I got for free, you know, and it's very insincere. So what I realized very quickly was that it's genuine recommendations from parents like you, Jenna, who have read the books with children and have seen children genuinely do like these stories, you know, that that is what is actually driving Dragon Terror forward, you know, as parents and teachers and word of mouth and genuine recommendations. And that means far more than any influencer who gets a free set in the post you know yes so exactly I was watching like a a live recently with somebody talking about this um Mm. she came up with a toy during the lockdown cube fun and oh yeah yeah Yeah. she was trying to get the word out and she was thinking at the start about influencers and kind of the same the same message that you're saying 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's the, the genuine recommendations all the way. You definitely, know. definitely. And I just really hope it's just going to snowball and snowball and snowball for mm-hmm. you now. And thank you. <laughs> I, I'm thinking like I need to see like a prequel, like with granddad and see like <laughs> Lucy's past and. <laughs> Yeah, Lucy's family, like does Lucy have a family? Yeah, she's so she's super mysterious. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I was gonna say, have you got a favorite character? But I don't think that you could honestly pick one. No, well, I can't answer that because they are genuinely based on my kids. Um, (laughs) you know, so no, I I I couldn't go there. But I do like Granddad as well. Granddad is um an embodiment of all of my my um my children's grandparents. But particularly my um, my husband's father, his name is Bonte, and um, he has minded the kids since they were very, very small. And when Lucy, Lucy is my oldest, when I went back to work um, after maternity leave, at that point, none of the other grandparents were in a position to mind her because they were just unavailable working or whatever. And Bonte was the only one of them who was available to mind her. And he was like, you know, I'll mind her, no bother. And I was like, you know, full time, like she's a little baby, she's in nappies, she's in a high chair, are you sure? And he was like, not a bother at all, I'll mind her for you. So he is a truly amazing granddad and he really showed me, you know, how involved a granddad particularly can be, um, you know, with with the grandchildren and how special they are in their lives, you know. So, um, so and it was nice because like, again, I, I wrote the books and you know, nobody knew that I was writing them. And it was only after that I was able to tell um, Bonte that the character was largely based on him. And he was really, really moved. And a lot of people know that the character is largely based on him. And they they, they shout at him in the streets when they see him and they say, oh, there's the Dragon Terra granddad. And he's, actually, yeah, and he's actually really proud, you know, and then he tells me, oh, you know, someone was shouting at me today down town about the Dragon Terror books. And he's all proud of himself. So it has been lovely. You know, it has been That's a good... so cool. Yeah, yeah. He needs to get himself, like, a backpack. And everybody oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> backpack. Yeah, he'd be mugged in the town if he was yeah. walking around with a backpack. My <laughs> yeah. kids. Blow the kids, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Well, what... The last question I'm going to ask you is what do you think it is that makes Dragon Terra so special? Oh my gosh, I honestly don't know. Like magic. <laughs> it is magic. And you know, probably that is the answer, you know, that like it's it's a magical story and you know, children are just so captivated. They're so they're, they're at such an innocent age that they just buy into the magic um of it so readily. Um you know, for me personally, I have just been blown away by the response I mean when I published them you know it was as a result of my daughter Lucy's reaction to the stories she just she was insistent that other children would get a chance to read them and initially I was very hesitant and I said Lucy like I didn't write these for anyone else I wrote them for you it's just like a a wee lockdown project you know like for ourselves is they're not for anyone else and she was disgusted and she wouldn't take it as an answer and she says mommy other children need to read these you know and so that to me is the magic really personally that you know it was something that my daughter pushed me to do um and without her encouragement and without her support and her perseverance as well I wouldn't have have gone there you know so um 
Yeah, so I, I, ha I have heard, uh, my mum and my daughter really were the two driving forces behind it that just oh. insisted that I take the leap of faith and believe in the books and put them out there. So that has been the magic for me, but the magic for the reader, I'm just so glad that they have bought into the series and that they're enjoying them, you know. Absolutely. It's been great. And I've got a little dragon going to be running around this Halloween, actually. Oh, uh, brilliant. Yep, You'll have to send me a up. picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Instagram at HiccupPod. For news and updates, visit www.irishmamabies.ie. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.